0: You're listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, episode 28. You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives.
1: You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures made for life. But isn't that, like, cheating? We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why not? The safety word is banana. It is so refreshing to be with someone who likes to fuck outside the box.
0: This is the Touch of Flavor podcast. Dating and relationship advice by kinksters for kinksters. Join us as we tackle BDSM, sex, non-monogamy, and how to build extraordinary relationships in an ordinary world. And now your hosts, Cassie and Rigel.
1: So hello everybody. We have another Q&A episode today. We've got quite a few BDSM related questions this time, which is good. I like it. I like it. I like it a lot.
0: So we've been busy. One of the things that we've been doing is sort of planning for our own poly ceremony thing that we're going to be having in 2019. And I feel like right now has been a big wedding time just in general in our lives.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, there's been a lot of weddings. Well, I I don't know. I don't know. Why do you say that? I mean, a lot of people we know are about to get married, but not a lot of people. There haven't been a lot of weddings in the last tiny little bit.
0: Yeah, but now- We went
1: to one yesterday.
0: We went to one yesterday, and we have like five friends that are now engaged, and we're in a couple of weddings. We're having our wedding.
1: Well, most of the people whose weddings we're in are also in our wedding party. Yeah. So, but yeah. So yeah, okay. So there are a lot of weddings coming up,
0: yeah, more so than there topic. have
1: been. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll I'll agree with you on that. I'll agree with you on that. So yeah, so we're we're in planning for our thing in 2019, which the girls are way further ahead than me because I'm like, man, we got to pick a date and a place first before they're 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 all over it already.
0: We're working on that. We're talking to a venue soon to find out if we're going to go with that one. We really hope we can. It'll be exciting. But uh, we'll have to uh, see how that works out. But as far as yesterday's wedding, so we were at a friend. Cassie
1: really wedding. wants to tell this story.
0: I think it's hilarious. So we were at a friend of ours' wedding, and really, she's Amanda's friend. She's someone that Amanda she's got. Cool though. She's awesome, and so Amanda got to know her through Amanda being in her best friend's wedding. And the bride at this wedding was the maid of honor at Amanda's best friend's wedding. So Amanda got to know her, the bride, and then we kind of got to meet her. And so she invited the three of us to her wedding, which was yesterday. So it was a really nice wedding, but sort of our table was really the only, how would you describe it? Interesting. Interesting table. I
1: I've, I've come to realize that my capacity for dealing with vanilla people in a social context, like outside of work, is very limited. But I don't know why. Because we were having this discussion yesterday, because it's not just about being able to talk about kinky stuff. It's just in general. I don't know what it is. But we were we got the interesting table yesterday.
0: So we did, yes. Our table rocked because it was actually uh Amanda and us and the bride that amanda was in the wedding party for the previous wedding was We're at the, friends, her yeah. friend was at the table with her partner and uh so we we had the more interesting table and i went off to get myself a second helping of macaroni cuz the macaroni was banging and i bumped into the groom's uncle who was really nice. I introduced myself and we went back and forth and he asked who I came with. And I said, oh, I came with my partner, Amanda. And he asked how Amanda knew the bride. And we had a little bit of a conversation, but he picked up that she was my partner and he was like, oh, she's just so pretty, you know, and and was really nice about it. So as we walked back in, Rigel was sitting with Amanda's best friend's husband, who Him and Rigel get along very well. At this wedding, they were building Lego things. They had, they had,
1: which I actually thought was a really cool idea. So the centerpieces were like a build your own centerpiece. So they had like a container of Legos on each table, and you had to build a centerpiece out of the Legos for the table, which I actually thought was really cool.
0: It was a really neat idea and very entertaining for Rigel and his friend. And so as we're coming back in, The uncle turns to me and was looking at Rigel and the other person building this uh, table centerpiece. Was was, a
1: house that was defended by a robot?
0: Yes. um, Overly complicated piece of Lego art. And so he goes, and that couple is just adorable, aren't they? So I had a split second where I was like, "I could try to correct this, but you know what? I'm just gonna go with it." And I was like, "Yep, they sure are." I went back to the table.
1: So between that and some other things that happened that night, I'm pretty sure we got labeled the gay table. But <laughs> I think there well, because you were dancing confusing. with Amanda, two of the other women at the table were dancing at one point, and I- I'm pretty sure that that we were just labeled the gay table, which is fine with me. So. Yeah, but so that was uh, that was fantastic, and and uh, I've I've been the girls had me make a wedding website. Well, I shouldn't say they had me; they were trying to use a regular like wedding because I guess the wedding site thing is a thing now, which it wasn't back when Cassie and I got married. But it's apparently like a thing now, and they were like, "Oh, you know," so they're they're trying to get one of these regular wedding websites to work, and it just is not set up to work with three people. And I'm like, you know. Seriously, you guys, I, I do websites. I, I mean, I've done Touch of Flavors for years. I've actually become fairly proficient. Like, I've I've actually done some commission websites for other people. I was like, you know, I could I could do this in like three hours. Seriously, and it would be so. We now have a site, although we're not going to put the URL or anything out yet because it's it's uh, still you know we need like a date and stuff before it can actually be finalized and finished setting up. But you're welcome.
0: It is beautiful. I feel like there was
1: not trust that I would do a better job.
0: In That's a reasonable period
1: true. of time. I No, nope.
0: I believe that you could do something magnif- magnificent because you are amazing with your technology stuff that I don't understand at all. However, I did want it done in like a reasonable period of time. Well, and you're welcome. Sometimes things are not necessarily done as quickly as you think they're going to be done, but you did create something very beautiful. And in the day that you said you were going to. So. Thank you.
1: And in other news, we've crossed 10,000 downloads now.
0: Cool. I did yeah,
1: know that. Yeah, yeah, I'm just glancing at this. So we have actually a decent time ago crossed 10,000 downloads. So thank you, guys. We've been having a lot of fun doing this. Uh, you should subscribe to the show. If you like the show, you should subscribe. And then you get all the new episodes that come out and things like that. So we're going to hop into the questions for the day. And we actually... Have so we have a lot of PDSM oriented questions. We actually have some longer questions, so we some of these we had to kind of condense a little bit, but I actually really like our questions today. This is going to be good. And remember, guys, if you want to send in your questions, you can go to a touch of flavor dot com forward slash ask, or you can just be like everybody else and send it in on Facebook, whatever works for you, or or you can call our voicemail line at eight three three ask tof one and leave a message and we'll play your message. So those are all different ways you can you can send us questions.
0: And I will say the sending them through Facebook is the most difficult because then we have to track you down to send it to you. If you email it in to us, we can email you when the show goes out. All right. I'm going to do the first question. So I love this question. It's from Jake. He's 27 from PA. And his question is, at the end of your guest podcast, you have a speed round, but you don't answer them. So, Cassie and Rigel, what turns you on? Uh, uh all kinds. He put of us.
1: Things. He put us on the spot. He did. Who wants? You want to start? You asked. You
0: can start. There. Okay, I'll put um, you on the spot. I'm not on the spot. There's all kinds of things that turn me on. I'm just gonna give like my top list. Mermaids. If you've listened to the episodes, you know mermaids turn me on. People acting very subby. Turns me on. I love submission and people serving me. Boobs, boobs turn me on a lot. Vagina's, vagina's turn me on a lot. Sitting on my couch, being bored, that turns me on too. <laughs> so, I mean there's a lot of things, but I think those are like my main things.
1: Cassie's Cassie's theory on life is that she basically operates in two modes, which is sad and horny. So, yeah. when she's not sad, she's horny. So it's it's not it's not that hard.
0: You miss if one. you're it's a woman three.
1: to turn Cassie on. Sad, angry, and horny. Nope. No. What is it? Because angry and horny sometimes combine.
0: Yeah. No. No. Angry. I can still be horny. It's sad, horny, or hurting.
1: Yeah. So there if we I'm go. in pain
0: or if I'm sick, I might not be horny. But those are my my three things. So <sighs> if I'm not those, I'm I'm pretty horny most of the time. I
1: don't I don't know if my answer to this is going to be as interesting as yours. On a turning me on, like relationship be like things i find interesting in a person like relationship wise i like people i can have intelligent conversations with um i like ambitious people so so those those are things like in my you know as far as things that interest me from a Dating point of view, yes, Cassie. Well,
0: damn, Rigel, you're like making me sound real shallow right now. I wasn't looking from like a you're relationship. You're welcome. Point. I was doing it on purpose. The contrast. Wet.
1: The contrast is helping me out. Uh, um, no. So in in a, in a, in a sense of uh, in a sense of what turns me on sexually, uh, I like women who are comfortable with their own sexuality. Like I, I feel like that's the easiest. I feel like that's the easiest way for me to put it. Like as like as long as I'm. Uh, reasonably physically attracted to a person. I like women who are comfortable with their own sexuality. Incredibly subby women don't do it for me, although I definitely will top, but approaching me in like a subby way is not going to get you, you know, is not going to get you anywhere. It's more like I have to like you and then I, it, or, or find you hot and then it would be fun to, to do it. Although I wouldn't say approaching me, see, dommy women do turn me on, but I wouldn't say approaching me in a dommy way is, is really a great way to, to get anywhere with me either because I, I really hate when people think they're entitled to something that they haven't earned or hasn't been negotiated. So, um, yeah, so just, I prefer people who are comfortable with their sexuality approaching and then, you know, whatever, wherever it's, stuff's interested in going, I could go from there. But that's what turns me on. I'm surprised you don't want to add anything in here for me. I feel like you'd have stuff to add in here. I mean, we've only been together like 13 years. That was Amanda yesterday telling me, like, I know that look on your face. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah,
1: you know, you know what Amanda told me last night when she said, "You look like you think they'd be fun." I think that's what turns me on. Yeah, there you go. If you think they'd be fun, if I think they'd be fun, yeah. I, I think that's uh, yeah. Which is probably the broader thing of saying they're comfortable with their sexuality. But if, if if they seem to me like they would be fucking fun to fuck, that that's what turns me on. Do you want to add anything for me or not? I'm, no, I'm kind of surprised I that you I don't. I don't need
0: to add anything for you. You didn't add anything for me. Yes, I, I did. What?
1: I added that you're basically have two modes that you operate on
0: three,
1: three. Well, you said three, I said two.
0: So what you added wasn't even correct. Booyah. Um, so anyway, uh, I, I mean, I think that really covers it for you. I think for you, when I see things that turn you on, it tends to be, if you think it's going to be sexually fun. So I think that really. Topping, covers bottoming it. doesn't matter. Yeah.
1: Fun. Yeah. All right. You want to jump into the questions?
0: That was one of the questions. Oh, that
1: yeah. was. Oh, shit. I forgot. Sorry. I just, because it, it was a speed round thing. <laughs> All right. So I get to read the next one. So this this question we actually had to trim down rather severely, and it's still fairly long. But I think that we managed to cover, cover what was asked in it. So this message is from Allie, and she's 40 years old and from New Jersey. Hi Cassie and Rigel. My husband and I have been looking for another couple for a friend and play relationship. We've been at it for some time and had, so we thought, come across a good match. We met this couple online and had been chatting with them for about a month before meeting in person. Things seemed to go well, but they've since left our kick group and stopped responding to messages. I'm pretty sure that we're being ghosted. Do you think it's okay for me to send them a brief note stating my disappointment with their inability to be mature and courteous enough to say, hey, we're not interested? I realize they obviously don't care about our feelings. It's more for my catharsis. I've had too many times in my life where I was denied closure due to a situation and I feel like it's due. Thanks for your thoughts.
0: So Allie, really the thing is, is you can send that note if it's gonna be cathartic for you.
1: Yeah, I like that you recognize it isn't going to get you anywhere because it's not going to get you anywhere.
0: Yeah, it's it's not really gonna accomplish anything, and as long as you're okay with that, you're okay with the realization that you're sending it basically for yourself and it might just go into the nether and not even ever be opened that's fine but it's probably not going to accomplish anything
1: all right the next question is from Bree 40 from California do switches make better tops because they've had experience bottoming this is the loaded question isn't it the, what this is like the ongoing debate no it, it, this is the ongoing debate and it's you know there used to be very much used to be a whole culture uh, of, you know, if you look at, like, the um, kind of the gay leather culture, um, a lot of—in that community, there was a lot of and still is a lot of this attitude that you should be a bottom or a slave before you're ever a top or a master so that you get to know it from both ends. And I know that at the time, we were coming into the scene around here about ten years ago? Yeah. Because stuff in the scene is very localized as to as to where you're at. But I know that at that time, it was actually— you know, you were kind of like, uh, no, I'm not doing it. And that was actually kind of a, a controversial thing at the time.
0: Yes. Uh, even at that point, there was still this idea of working your way up. And my feelings on it, I actually have very strong feelings in regards to this. I think if you're talking about switches, just as a general thing, I think that Switches make good tops because they do get to experience both things. I do think that that's a helpful thing.
1: And they can think about it. I think more so than that, they can think about it from both ends. Like if I was bottoming here, what would be awesome?
0: Yeah. So I, I think that it definitely adds to the knowledge. That being said, I don't think that tops or bottoms are created better by being something that you're not. I think that you can be a great top regardless of having bottom experience or vice versa.
1: Yeah. Now I do think that there's, there's delving a bit into a little bit of the broader question beyond what she has. I do think that there's two, uh, kind of two distinct issues here. There's the issue of, do you need the experience from a power exchange standpoint And there's the issue of, do you need the experience from a bottoming or top standpoint? I I don't actually think those are the same. I don't think it's the same answer to the question, right? So for power exchange, I think you are what you are. And I don't think that you need to have been a slave to be a master or anything along those lines.
0: And I think by pretending to be something else, you're actually not really learning it. So as far as like a power dynamic, pretending to be submissive or you're not actually getting the same experience as someone who really is. Like you can learn a lot, but it's not the same experience.
1: Yeah. No, I I think that with topping, I do think that it's generally a good idea to have experienced the implements that you're using so that you have a basic understanding of how they feel. Um, But you know, that and like doing a full-fledged bottoming scene are not the same thing.
0: Yeah. I personally, anytime I get a toy, either I hit myself with it or I get somebody else to use it on me. So that way I know what that sensation feels like. But again, that's a very big differing thing between knowing what a sensation feels like and full-fledged bottoming.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's I mean, it's different for a couple of reasons, but I mean, one of the primary things to remember is that you can, you can, as a as a top, like who doesn't switch, like if if that's just not a thing for you, you can get the physical sensation, but you're not going to get the experience that comes along with it. Like you speaking as somebody who is strictly toppy can just not understand the attraction of that, of of what happens from a bottom's end.
0: No, but I can understand that, oh, this feels thuddy, or this feels whippy or this feels, this feels like hell. Um, so (laughs) I can, I can get the uh, experience of what it the sensation is, but not necessarily the headspace. All right, our next question is from Diane, thirty nine, UK. I've been single for about four or five years. I have tried dating sites, but they don't help much. I met one guy who is in all into all kinds of kinks, and I'd like to be more open to that. I have only been with one guy at a time, and have been in four long term relationships. So this is pretty new to me. He has asked if we can do a MFF threesome and I'm up for trying anything new, but he has tasked me to find someone and I have no idea where to start. I live in the UK. Do you have any advice?
1: couple things here, I think. So it is, I, I do actually think that it is good that he is, even though it might seem kind of daunting that he's tasked you with finding a woman for this. I think a lot of times in situations where it's something new for people and they don't know how comfortable they're going to be, um, you picking the person of the same gender can help alleviate some of the, uh, issues that can arise if he was to pick a woman, right? Cause then it would be.
0: Yeah. You don't get as much anxiety and possibly jealousy or whatever, because you got to be part of the selection process.
1: Right. So that's good. As far as Finding someone and you have no idea where to start, um, there's a couple of things there. I think the first place to start is you guys need to figure out exactly what you're looking for. Like, what, like, is there a certain look of person that you need to be considering? But more importantly, what activities are you looking for this person to do? Like, you really need to set those boundaries first before you start looking anywhere.
0: And you mentioned that he's into kink. So what type of kink role are you going to be having this person involved in if you're bringing kink into your threesome?
1: Right. So I think the first thing is to define exactly what you're looking for because part of the problem, and especially if he's having you look and he's not looking, your ideas of what you're looking for and what's going to happen may be entirely different. And you want to get that sorted out right up front. The second thing to do uh, is, uh, I'll give a couple things here. Um first off and I know this is kind of vanilla-ish advice to a certain extent or, or advice you would expect here from the vanilla world but if this is not something that you've done before you know how to do I'd recommend staying away from like your group of friends and things like that because you don't know how it's going to go and you don't want somebody else caught in the middle of that whole thing. So that's thing A. Next thing is to look for somebody with them having the understanding of exactly what you are looking for. So you don't want to be looking for somebody for a threesome and put out to them that you guys are looking for a relationship. You need to be very blunt about exactly what you're looking for. And there are people out there who are going to be fine with that.
0: And I think it would be very helpful since the two of you were very new to find somebody who has experience in having casual threesomes. So that way, you know, not all three of you are not in the loop about things. At least that person will be able to handle their emotions, their feelings. And be able to deal with sort of management of themselves versus somebody who is brand new and may have a lot of struggles along the way that you guys are currently or might have later.
1: Right. So that leads into the fact that you want to go looking for somebody who, you know, so I was saying you you want to look for somebody. Okay. With this kind of leads into the fact that you're going to want to look for somebody who is, probably in one of the sex positive communities. Like you don't want to go out looking at a bar, trying to pick up somebody for a threesome. Uh, that's that's not likely to end particularly well, especially with the two of you being completely inexperienced. So, you know, I would suggest that you get out. Uh, he's into kink. Maybe find your local kink community, find your local swinger community, find your local open relationship community there, whatever it is. Um, get out to some things. You know, if you can get out to like uh, a swinger event or a kink event, you know, chances are you can probably, maybe not the first time, but probably find somebody who's going to be interested in what you guys are offering as long as you guys have figured out exactly what that is.
0: And you mentioned dating sites. So what I will throw out as far as dating sites is the UK does have OkCupid. It's one that we use in the US too. And it does have search options for things like looking for casual sex. And just being very honest on your profile that you're looking for a threesome with you and your partner, that sort of thing. But I think that might help you as far as where to look online. But I do think that there's definitely a lot of value in finding your community first.
1: I think there is. And the other thing I will say is if you get online and you're a woman looking for a girl to screw around with you and your husband, you're going to be joining an enormous number of other people who are looking for the same thing. So I'm not saying don't look online, but I really think that you're likely to have a lot more success actually getting out with people who might be interested in that kind of thing.
0: Our next question is from Jennifer, 47. Ontario, Canada. Are there slaves or submissives that are untrainable? If so, what can they do if they want to be a sub or slave, but just can't cut it?
1: I, I I can start. So I think so and and so I'm approaching this from the bottom's point of view, which is where you're coming from in your question. And you know, when you say you're untrainable and you just can't cut it, um, I'm gonna say what that sounds like to me. And it sounds like whatever you're trying to do, whatever form of DS you're trying to do, is probably not the kind that fits you. Whether that is And I think there's two things that can lead to that, right? One is having a partner who what they're looking for is just not the same thing as what you're able to offer. And the second thing that can come of that, uh, especially depending on the community that you're in, is feeling like you should act a certain way, like being a sub or being a slave. Slave, especially, is a very loaded word, should look a certain way. And I'm going to say that I've actually experienced this myself because where we live, you know, we, we spend a bit of time, not as much as we used to, but we, we spend a decent bit of time in the leather community. And there is a very distinct idea of what a slave is and how a slave should act. And that has not meshed with the kind of submission that I'm able to offer or that really fits with me as a person. And there can be pressure, not necessarily from people, but just from feeling like you need to conform to be the right kind of slave or the right kind of sub. But the thing is, at the end of the day, you need to find and design a relationship that works for you as a person and isn't reliant on other people's ideas of what your submission should look like.
0: And that's really what I was going to say, is what is it that you enjoy doing as far as a submissive or slave? What is it that brings you joy? And your style of power exchange doesn't have to look exactly the same as someone else's. I like to tell the story about ordering food. A lot of people, because I'm a dominant, like look at me weird when they see Rigel or Amanda order food for me. And that's simply because I really hate ordering food. I hate dealing with waiters. So it's a service to me for them to do that. So here's the thing, depending on what it is you like to do as a submissive or, or as a slave find somebody who enjoys the you know the the counterpart of that now the other aspect of it is if you don't enjoy being a submissive or a slave and the reason why you're untrainable is because you're not and maybe you're just a bottom that's okay too it's okay not to be a submissive or a slave
1: yeah and and the other thing to realize with this whole untrainable word I think where you run into problems here is that being uh, trained is one of those things that is nice from a fantasy context, but somewhat kind of unrealistic in real life. Because at the end of the day, these are consensual relationships. And, you know, you can put things into effect or consequences in place. And all those things are fun and they can help, you know, conform your behavior to a certain way, to a certain extent, as long as that's something that you were interested in in the first place but none of this is being done by force and you're never going to be able to have somebody train you into somebody that you're not because at the end of the day like i said these are consensual relationships and you can always say no so like i said find you know find somebody who uh, get get out of the the thought that your submission your slavery has to look a certain way and find a partner who is compatible with the things that are that you're interested in that work for you that fulfill you that fit with you as a person you know, and the other end of that is I just want to throw out there too, this isn't just a problem or as Cassie would say, lowercase types. You get these kinds of expectations and things for uppercase types, masters, doms, whatever as well, where there's a certain type of way that you should master, you should dom, and that your relationship should look like and that you should be running your household and things like that if you're going to be a, a two master kind of a thing.
0: Yeah, and that's why I threw out the thing about the food was because that was actually brought up in a conversation with me and a group of other, I like saying uppercase, so dominant people. And it was, you know, why is your submissives ordering food for you? And it was because that's the way I like it. (laughs) So do do what you like and what makes you feel good.
1: All right. Our next question is from Ruby 40 from Birmingham, Alabama. I'm a kinky, submissive, bisexual, cisgender female. I'm in a poly relationship I have known my partner Jack and his other girlfriend Julie for five or six years, though we only recently started dating. Julie and I have been friends longer than Jack and I, and we both enjoy each other's company and like to do things together, but do not have a sexual relationship of any kind. I don't get along with Julie's other boyfriend or her boyfriend's partner. Her other boyfriend's partner. Every time I suggest that Jack and Julie and I should do something, she automatically invites her partner. Sometimes that's fine, but sometimes it isn't but I feel like I'm being an asshat if I say something because I'm getting to spend time with my boyfriend and it seems selfish to say her boyfriend can't be a part of whatever we're doing. Am I being unreasonable? How do I ask for it to be just the three of us without hurting her feelings?
0: So to answer the first part, no, it's not unreasonable. You don't have to enjoy the company of your metamorph, or in this case, your metamor's metamor partner I guess, your metamorph's partner.
1: Yeah, we we talk about this a lot. We get this question, not this exact question, but a variant of, you know, is it okay that I don't get along with people in my poly network or with my metamors or things along those lines? And uh, part of the thing to understand with that is that a lot of times our, our partners very often date people that are very different from us. Um, and you don't have to... Love each other. You don't have to like each other. You just have to, you know, get along well enough to be civil. But I mean, here, you're actually not even talking about your metamorph. You're talking about your metamorph's partner and that person's partner. So I mean, you're, you're, you're several degrees of separation away from where we even normally get this kind of question.
0: Yeah. So the simple thing there is no, you're not being unreasonable. It's perfectly okay to ask to have time with the closer part of your polycule that isn't this huge extended thing as far as how to ask, I think the easiest way to ask is just to state I would like to spend time with the two of you and just the three of us
1: and I think that's fine but I think there also may come a point where honesty is called for here because the answer might be like well that's fine but why and and because I want to is a reasonable answer but I also think there may come a point of honesty where it's like look I don't particularly get along with them. It's great that you're you're dating. I'm happy for you, but I don't particularly get along with them and I'd, I'd prefer not to hang out when they're around and come up with some kind of solution that works for everybody involved. Like I said, I think an understanding that not everybody in the network has to get along can be very helpful in fostering that kind of honesty where you can say something like that. Like, look, I like you. I'm happy you're happy with this person. I don't particularly enjoy spending time with them.
0: So Nathan... Twenty-one, New York. Do you think sexuality, gender, and relationship fluidity are more prevalent today than before?
1: Well, I guess part of that is when you say "by before," how far back are you talking? Um, talking about recent recent history, I'd say yes. Although I, I don't know how much of that is due to people changing, as it's just due to people expressing things because they're socially acceptable. You know, I, I kind of when I. I think about this question, I think about uh, bisexuality among the different genders, right? So you have, well, I mean, look at the scene. The scene's a great example, okay? When you look at the scene, and again, I'm speaking locally, but the vast majority of women that I know in the scene are some level of bisexual, or at least trisexual. I mean, there's some level there. And when you look at male bisexuality in the scene, it's not nearly as common and it's also not nearly as acceptable and I, I hate to say it that way but really there's there's a lot of there's a whole disapproval factor I think that comes from male male relationships in the broader scene not the not the you know the the gay scene obviously but in kind of the broader scene where there's a lot of cis couples and things like that and it's it's not just in the scene it's in culture as a whole you see a lot more female bisexuality talked about and things like that than you do male bisexuality and the question is is it really that there's that many more female bisexuals, like like where biologically females are that more prone to being bisexual? Or is it just that we're at a point in our history where it's become fairly socially acceptable for a female to be bisexual, but we're not there yet with men?
0: I think it's just mainly, I don't think that it's more necessarily more people as it is just more acceptable. Because going off of what you were just saying, if we go way back, when we look at like ancient Greece it was perfectly acceptable to have your boys it was not really acceptable for women to be bisexual so there's not that many written things about women having sex or relationships with women but in if Greece you specifically. in Greece specifically but if you look back at it like all of the major people like Virgil who was a big poet like he had like eight boys they were like what his poems were about and it was perfectly reasonable and acceptable at that time. So it seemed like every guy was gay or bi. If you look at you know a lot of the poets and a lot of the great thinkers of that time, it seemed like everybody was fucking boys. And that's not necessarily a representation of that everybody actually was or that everybody is, you know, all the females are bisexual now. I think it's really just what culture is accepting at that time frame.
1: Yeah. So I think the answer is yes, it's more prevalent, but it's, I think it's probably primarily cultural, you know, cultural influence of what's okay culturally to do.
0: Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a visual thing. It's what we're seeing now because it's more accepted.
1: Like, well, that's what people feel is okay to do without being shamed or without being, you know, the weird one or, or things like that.
0: Yeah. It's not a change of who people are, but, What they're willing
1: to express.
0: Yes. That's what I meant by like the visual of it.
1: All right. Our next question is from, and I hope I'm pronouncing this right, but I'm going to go with Stu. 58 from California. I'm a dom and I've done light kinky play for over 20 years. I'm more into service than play. I just recently had my first rough scene. It was a consensual non-consent scene. After the scene, my partner was great and super happy and stayed that way. I was good that evening, but the next day I crashed. I was upset, not feeling right, and my mood tanked. I think I had Dom top drop. Is that even real? If so, what are things I can do to deal with it if it happens again? So I feel like the first thing is just to define consensual non-consent for people who may not be familiar with that term. So consensual non-consent is consensual scenes in which the scene itself is that there's not consent. So the easiest way to explain that is rape fantasy, right? So obviously the whole scene is negotiated and consensual, but the scene itself is that there's rape happening and that they're not agreeing to it. So that that's a consensual non-consent scene. Um, generally, it's some kind of like taken by force or blackmail, some kind of scenario like that.
0: Yeah. So as far as, you know, is dom or top drop real? The answer is yes.
1: And Cassie's tired of having to tell people that it is.
0: Not necessarily. I I think that there is an acceptance that it exists. I think that it just is not ever talked about. And it's almost like this idea that because you're not a bottom and you're not necessarily dealing with the physical aspect of play, that... It doesn't necessarily affect you emotionally. And that's not what scenes are. Scenes are a mixture of all kinds of things, physical and emotional. And as a top, we do a lot of work. If you're doing a consensual non consent scene, I'm sure you probably got your workout. Mentally, you've got to go through a lot of things on your end. And sometimes when we do some of these harder scenes, we are not aware of how it's going to affect us later. It doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't mean that you don't want to do it again. It just means the way you need to process it might be differently. So that kind of leads into your second part of the question. So is it real? Absolutely. How to deal with it? Better preparation. So what was it about this scene that you think may have triggered that? If it was a physical thing, like after this scene, I was hurting and it brought me down. Maybe you need to take better physical care of yourself before scening. If there was something that was emotional about it, what can you do to prevent those feelings from coming up in the future?
1: Yeah, and I think there needs to be a recognition here as well that not every type of scene is for everybody. And consensual non-consent scenes especially are not for a lot of people. You know, we, we talk about them on the show uh, with some regularity, mainly because Cassie and I both enjoy those scenes. Um, and I, I enjoy them from both sides of it, but a lot of people, either from a top or a bottom perspective, those type of scenes just do not work for and that's fine. like not every type of scene works for everybody. There's plenty of types of scenes that do not work for me. I don't really do humiliation for one just as a throwing out a an example
0: and he doesn't do needle play either
1: i don't I don't particularly like needle play I mean so. You know, so not every type of scene is for everybody. So the answer to that question of what went wrong for you, uh, you know, you may come to it. You may come up with something that you think. You may try it a couple times. And it may turn out that the end of the question is that type of scene just doesn't work for you. And that is perfectly fine.
0: Yeah, and if it's not that answer, if if you don't come to, this, to the conclusion that it's not for you, you try it again and it goes well, it may just have been some factors that caused you to drop. So it could be either one of those things. And really, you know, the thing about it is just really paying attention to yourself and paying attention to what you're doing, going into it and afterwards. And if you're noticing that no matter what you do, afterwards, you don't feel good. It's okay not to do it again.
1: And I'll throw one more thing in here too, which is you can, it can be a type of scene that you're okay with, you can think you have all the factors exactly the same and you can do it nine times and the 10th time, you can drop. And, you know, so that's just something to keep in mind is also sometimes it just does happen and that just is somewhat of the cost of doing business. Uh, so keep that in mind, right? So, I mean, definitely try everything, consider everything that we said, but if you're trying stuff and you can't figure out what, what to do any differently, but you're trying and things seem like they're going fine, Just keep in mind that occasionally that can happen. Everybody has those kinds of scenes where they think they're great and it seems like everything's like normal, but afterwards turns out not so much, especially when you're talking emotionally taxing scenes like a non-consent scene.
0: All right, this one's from Kim, 30. So my partner and I have been in an open relationship for six years now. He's 52, I'm 30. We've worked through various issues, but I think worst of all is that he has a much harder time finding girlfriends. The women he has met up with are either threatened by his young partner or want marriage or think all men are assholes after their divorces. I feel bad for him, not sure how to help.
1: And I am going to pitch this ball solidly in your court. Beyond me saying that this is not an uncommon problem, I'm going to pitch it to the one who does all of our dating advice. Boom.
0: Okay. So there's a couple of things. First off, What I want to say is it's not actually your responsibility to fix this issue. I think it's great that you want to help, but it's not really in your capability to fix the problem. So I just want to say that first. I think it's great that you want to try to help, but here are some things he can do. So first thing, depending on where you are, you want to go to a more urban place, possibly go to gatherings, parties, things like that. So you should look and see if there's anything in your area where you can congregate or he can congregate around people who are open to polyamorous relationships. Secondly, is if he is trying online dating, there might be some things that he really, really needs to change as far as what he's doing. So there could be a lot of things that are playing into it. If there are people that are available It might be the way he's crafting messages, the way he has his profile set up. There's a lot of things that sort of he might want to play with and see if there are some ways to correct some things. So only try testing one thing. I'm totally for just testing one thing at a time and seeing if it changes anything, but possibly changing his profile or changing the way he writes his messages. But it's really going to have to be something that he's working on to improve if he's using the online for dating.
1: Yeah. I will say if you, I, I'm going to give you a couple of resources. I will link to all of these in the show notes and the show notes are going to be a touch forward slash zero two eight. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to put three resources in there. Number one, we have a post it, you know, we, we do the podcast. We do a lot with Polly Cassie's Cassie's coaching that she does mainly focuses on, she works with a lot of uh, poly couples and then she works with a lot of people Uh, kinky or non monogamous people with dating stuff. So we have a few resources. One thing I'm going to post is we have an article called You're Not Alone Finding a Kinky Partner. It is more focused on kink, but a lot of the same stuff applies uh, to non monogamous as well. So I'm going to post that link in the show notes. That's a blog post on our site. We have a webinar about how to find kinky partners online. Again, more focused on kink, but plenty of stuff in there for non-monogamous. A lot of the principles are the same. I'm going to post that in there. Finally, Cassie does, if if he needs more assistance, Cassie does do coaching where she works one-on-one with people who are kinky or non-monogamous or trying to find partners. Her success rate is very high. Uh, I will post a link where he could book a consult call with Cassie, a free call, and talk to her and see if, you know, come up with a plan and see if working with her is something that might help. And those will all be in the show notes again at atouchflavor.com forward slash 028. All right. Our next question is from Chad, 42 from Maryland. My wife and I are separated now after 15 years. She said she's willing to give me a chance, but she wants 50 shades of gray, in quotation marks. I need an opener. I need to blow her away and create the spark again. Any advice, really? She wants to be the sub. I'm fine with being a dom. I just don't know anything about it. I love her, and I will do anything to make her happy. I just need to know what a Dom does. What can I do to assert that I'm her master? Help me save this relationship and not lose my wife and kids oh that's that's kind of my response to so in keeping with our habit of telling the hard truth, even when it's not the, the most popular. pleasant thing to hear yeah i'm I'm going to have to I'm going to have to start with saying this, which is unless the reason that you guys are separated is because of your sex life, this is not going to fix anything. It's not. If you guys if, if you guys broke up because she wasn't fulfilled in her sex life or either of you were fulfilled in your sex life, whatever the case, and that was the only issue, then yeah, maybe trying bringing kink into the bedroom will be helpful and we'll talk a little bit about how you can do that. But this is not going to fix any relationship issues that you guys were having. And I think it's important to realize that up front.
0: Yeah, I think it's important to recognize that because a lot of times, this is one thing that I've noticed with the years of, you know, doing stuff with Touch of Flavor. A lot of times people think sex problems are sex problems and those sex problems go back to being relationship issues. So even if there is an issue there of incompatibility as far as, you know, your sex life, there's probably other issues there. And that's just from my years of experience, a lot of times there's usually other things going on there. And I think it's very important to realize that those things are just as equally important to focus on and to try to remedy because fixing your sex life isn't going to fix any other issues.
1: I need to know what a dom does. What can I do to assert that I'm her master? Well, there's, there's a couple things here. First off, master is a loaded word. And I I know we're talking Fifty Shades of Grey, which tells me something about the level of of experience that we're talking about. But master is a loaded word, and master usually implies a a 24-7 power exchange relationship, like a power exchange relationship that's going on all the time through life, in the bedroom, out of the bedroom, all that kind of stuff. You guys are not ready for anything like that, okay? So you need to learn some things that you can do in the bedroom as far as topping, as far as maybe a play power exchange relationship in the bedroom and start from there.
0: And if things are going well with that, you can start to incorporate little things into life, maybe, maybe little tiny ways of of doing doming or service, but that's going to come later. You got to at least get on good footing in your relationship. One thing I will tell people is, Trying to incorporate a power exchange when things are rocky never works. It's not going to your, fix your issues. It's not going to suddenly make you guys get along by someone taking on a dom role or a sub role. So integrate those things very slowly.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to. I mean, there's there's specific pieces of advice that we could give you on like how to get somebody interested in kink and things like that. But she is interested, and what you need to learn. Our skills. So there's there's a couple ways to do that, and I'm going to stick really with recommending resources because I could sit here and go on for a really long time about this. There's a couple good books, um, both of which well, which we'll link to in the show notes. Just off the top of my head, uh, SM One Hundred and One by Jay Wiseman. Screw the roses, give me the thorns. Do you have any offhand?
0: If you're looking for some sort of like play oriented learning, some skills there. Um the two naughty boys show you the ropes is really good for like bondage.
1: So those, those are a couple of good resources offhand. However, really at the end of the day, my recommendation to you is to get out in your local community, in whatever area you're in and actually learn. It's, it's a much faster, it, it's a much faster in my mind, a much better way to learn. It's hard to learn to do things through books when both of you are brand new. So my recommendation is get on fat life, fatlife.com, uh, go there. Use it to find the groups that are in your area. Go out to some munches. Find some educational events around you. Go out to that. Maybe go out to a play space and watch people play and get some ideas. Maybe approach some people and ask for advice as long as you do it politely and when they're not scening. Those are the things I think you should be doing. Uh, and I, like I said before, I think you need to start start small and work up.
0: And Chad, you're in Maryland. Oh, shit. Um, so... You have no excuse not to get out. Sorry, I just had to throw that out there. I just noticed that. Okay,
1: so uh, look up look up the Playhouse in Baltimore. They're running ed- educational events fairly regularly now. There are, I, mean, I don't know specifically where in Maryland you are, but there are a million and a half groups around here as far as much as an educational groups, rope groups, everything you can think of. Yeah. If you can't, if you feel the need, if you can't find them, like I said, the, the Playhouse is a good place to start uh because they're they're the main venue around here now and they've got a lot of a lot of education going on and bass and BESS, yeah the uh baltimore education and social society. social society um they're in baltimore as well if you're closer to dc there's black rose we'll put links to these groups again in our show notes but if you well first off you can't find them you're not trying at this point <laughs> but in all seriousness if if you need if you need help finding some things close to you and things like that reach out to us. I'll put a link to the contact form in the notes. We'll point you to a couple of things in your area and get out, start going to stuff. That's the best thing you can do.
0: Sorry. I didn't realize he was in Maryland. It's I, yeah, I was, like, I,
1: yeah, I was yeah. like, wait
0: a minute. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in Maryland,
1: <laughs> you have no excuse. None. All right, go ahead.
0: All right. Our last question is from Heather 32 Maryland. Love the episode with Jackie. I am now interested in butt play. What kinds of plugs do you recommend?
1: All right. So, first off, just so people know what she's talking about, we did an episode with Jackie Grio a while back. I'm sorry, I was not present for that episode. Cassie's sitting here pointing at herself.
0: I didn't. Cassie
1: did an amazing episode with Jackie Grio. It's episode 18, it's uh, Strap On 101. Again, link in the show notes. And it had a lot about anal play in there. As far as plugs to recommend, there's a couple brands that I'll put out. And again, we'll provide you links. Enjoy, N J O Y. They're amazing. They do metal toys. It's one of those things where they have, they're very, they only do a certain number of things and all the things they do are amazing.
0: Yes. They um, have but they're like,
1: stainless steel toys. And they have, I think, three different sizes of plugs. And those are fantastic. They're smooth. They're easy to clean. They're heavy. They're nice.
0: They're uh, great for preparation for having other anal activities. So, if you are trying to prep your partner, say for strap oning, they're really good for helping to loosen up those muscles and uh, prep your partner for, anal play.
1: Yeah. If you're or yourself or yourself, if you are looking for something, so that I think is a, is a great preparation tool. And I do, I will say, I do know people who wear those like longer term throughout the day, uh, but they are also fairly heavy. Um, so if you find them a little too heavy to retain for long periods of time, we always like recommending Tanis' toys. They make great silicone things. Most of their plugs are good. I would recommend for what you're talking about. I have a couple things to say about it. The little flirt is really little. Like, I mean, really little, like finger sized, finger sized little. So just something to keep in mind.
0: Yeah, we have that one. It's very, very tiny. It's not going to do a whole lot as far as.
1: Some of their some of their other toys like the Ripple and things like that are really more anal toys than they are plugs. But they've got a couple plugs like the rider, the Neo, the Perfect Plug, the Juice that are more traditional butt plugs that are their silicon toys that are great. Uh the one one negative thing I will throw out here, they have a toy called the Twist, which is very ribbed. And I'm sure somebody likes it, but I have yet to run across anybody we've played with who's really enjoyed that toy.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's
1: between very, being silicone and between being very ribbed and between where you're using it.
0: Yeah, it's it's very abrasive for anal play. Um
1: and somewhat harder to keep sanitary.
0: Yes, it's it's very difficult to clean.
1: So but besides besides those, any of their more typical plug-shaped toys are great. So we will we can link to that in the show notes for you as well, which we now have like 30 links for you guys <laughs> at a touch of forward slash zero two eight.
0: All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week. Thank you so much for your wonderful questions. We always love them. And so we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, where we're building relationships outside of the box. Got a question about kink, power exchange, or open relationships that you've been holding on to for years? This is the place to ask it. Submit your question at a touch of flavor.com slash ask or leave us a voicemail at 833 Ask T O F one.
1: You can have the editing, man. You can I, have I it. I don't can want do the editing. I want
0: the the voicing.
1: Well, the voicing comes with the editing, woman. On the <laughs> face parts. Like you should know how this
0: works. Aim it at your face. I know how to work it, baby. I don't usually aim it at my face. I usually aim it at yours. How about that?
1: I got you hooked up. Uh, you can't avoid it now.
0: Your pentatonics like infatuation is really obnoxious. Oh my god. <laughs> I
1: just I just switched back to Google to get our document up and i'm still on hay facebook page and you know i've got my water like 6 inches away from my face that when there's just dildos waving in front of my face when I <laughs> <laughs> my vagina is insulted ah this video is great all right all right all right all right oh my god hold on
0: <laughs> 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 ew no <Nose>.
1: yay editing
0: <laughs> oh my god uh. My ears are vibrating
1: from how loud You nose Oh, it's my so God. Okay, my face is <laughs> vibrating. All right, all right. I know you can't. I know you can't uh, get get ready to podcast with this. I just wanted to.
0: I can get ready for something. The girl? Yeah, I can okay, get ready okay, for okay, her. Okay,
1: yeah. yeah, me too. That's good. I'm glad we agree on these things. These are important. No, not pronoun law. <laughs> how to pronounce Ontario there's a YouTube video but we're not gonna be able to hear it uh
0: does it have like the little like spaces like Ontario I'm
1: looking man I'm
0: looking <laughs> I don't want to mess up people's culture
1: okay dictionary okay oh okay I'm really glad that wasn't Ontario Ontario, Ontario. Okay. okay yeah The stress is on the tear. Okay. Go ahead.
0: Our next question is from Jennifer, 47, Ontario, Canada, or think all men are shoes after their divorce?
1: (laughs) There's there's, there's a space. She has a space. (laughs) You can start it or. This is going in the blooper reel. No. No. Oh yes, it is. Go ahead. No. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Every time you say no, that pretty much just guarantees that I
0: want. To but that power. one's embarrassing. No, it's not. There was a space where it should have been. <laughs> that most men are as shoes, assholes, assholes, not as shoes. Okay. <clears throat> or think all men are assholes after their divorces. That was the transition.
1: Podcasting music.
0: (laughs) Our podcasting
1: music. I don't remember how it became our podcasting music, but it's our podcasting music. It started as
0: our webinar music.
1: Ah yeah.